Last week, we kind of had talked about this uh, friend of mine who got taken for $7,000 when he believed that a truck with low mileage, uh, beautiful truck, was his to have if he just sent a cashier's check to somebody uh, in a, another state uh, for $7,000 that he could have that truck. And, and we learned that that was a scam, that he got taken, and he hasn't got his money back. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I taught about a scam, but I feel like I've been inundated with scams uh, this week. And even prior to that, has anybody been called by the IRS? Uh, I've been called, just so you know, everybody aware, uh, I'm a fugitive from the law, uh, according to these phone calls. So if somebody comes and gets me, you kind of know what's going on there. Uh, but I got some calls over the last few months from the IRS, and then I got in my email uh, this, uh, this kind of offer of an inheritance, and it was crazy. This is, so this is what my, I got this in my inbox, this is what kind of was given to me. It said, hi, hi Mr. Serball. My name is Rose Williams. I, I'm a legal representative of Mr. Marshall Serball. Oh, I share a name with him. Marshall passed away in 2014, leaving behind a cash inheritance of $10 million, $10,500 United States dollars, and then they put it in numbers so I could understand it. I appreciate that. Uh, my late client and bosom friend, I don't know if this is a friend of like Anna Green Gables here, like the guy like kindred spirits and bosom friend here, but um, must be a fan. They grew up in a, a motherless baby home, had no family, no benefactors, nor any next of kin to send the inheritance to. Uh, the financial law of inheritance clearly allows for the bank of the deceased to use the money as deemed fit should the inheritance be, money be left unclaimed for a period of 17 months after the death of the account over. Uh, the reason that you have been contacted now is because you bear the same last name. Oh, great. And I can present you as the beneficiary next of kin. Now, the inheritance law clearly, and I'm glad clearly, it clearly leaves the onus of the proof of who is or not kinship to the deceased lawyer to prove. As the deceased lawyer, the law says, I have the final say of who's the beneficiary. This is 100% legal and legit. As a lawyer, I know this. Confident. Uh, if you are interested in this proposition and you are ready to keep this proposition in absolute confidentiality, then contact me. But you need to act quickly. Currently, I need $1,000 to change the documents to file uh, you as the beneficiary. Uh, and after this is done, I will split the inheritance with you 80-20, and you will receive the amount by Western Union in a matter of weeks. If you're not interested, found this to be offensive, uh, or you think this is a scam, okay, that's good. I thought it was. Please do not respond. Warmest regards, Rosemary Williams. So here's the deal. This is 100% legal, and it is legit, guys. I have got an inheritance, $8 million coming to me in a matter of weeks here. And just don't worry, my, I'm going to be here. I'm not going anywhere. All right, I'm going to still be your pastor. In fact, just to show you my character, uh, I'm going to share my inheritance with you. All right, so I'm going to split this amongst you. The only thing that I need is a $100 cashier check written in my name, put in the offering boxes um, as you leave here today, and you'll get your inheritance in a matter of months or years, if ever. Okay? Uh, please don't believe that. I think there might be somebody in here that heard that I'm sharing their inheritance and they didn't hear the rest of the part. I'm joking, okay? Just to clarify, there is no inheritance, right? It's not there. Now, I think if we're honest, we've all probably had this fleeting thought in our brain about our inheritance. Whether you've thought about, you know, what's going to be given to you at the end of your life or at the end of your parents' or your, kin your family's life, or e if you're later in life, you, you, you may think, you know, what is it that I'm going to be passing down to the generations below me? And maybe we all wish, if we're honest, that we had a $10 million inheritance waiting for us, uh, but presumably I'm just going to guess that that's not the case 
for most of us in this room. What if today I told you that because of the power in the name of Christ in our belief that we have an inheritance that is much better than $10 million? That because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, that we have an inheritance that's imperishable, that it's, uh, it's unspoiled, it's unfading, and it's reserved by his good name. Maybe you would like, be like, uh, uh, it's fine, I'll just take the $10 million, please, Steve, and we can talk about this later. But uh, by the end of the day, my, my hope is that you would understand fully what you have in Christ and the assurance and the confidence and the hope that you have in it. And so we're going to take essentially Joshua 11 through 21, and we're going to talk about it today. Now, granted, this is not great mechanics from a pastor to take a significant chunk of verses and chapters like this and make one sermon out of it. Um, but uh, in this situation, the way that Joshua reads, uh, there are lots of boundaries and details about those boundaries and list of kings that have been defeated by Moses and Joshua. And so for this time around in Joshua, when we revisit Joshua some years down the line, we may do this differently. But when I read this text in, in this season, what stands out to me is this thought of divine inheritance that was there for the, the Israelites and a divine inheritance that will also be there for us. And so maybe you've been with us in the book of Joshua and you've read through this and you thought, wow, this is boring. This is just property, all right? Maybe you've thought, how, is there anything redeemable in this? There's nothing maybe that you felt like was of value for you to, today and in your life, but, but make no mistake that there is power and significance in these chapters could you imagine what it would be like for a Jewish person, the Israelites, Joshua, in these days to read about the boundaries of the inheritance that they received after struggling for so long? Do you understand how joyful that they would just pour over these scriptures and just praise God for what he has done in them? That they get a land to call their own to build families and homesteads on. This isn't mundane to them. This would be accumulation of all of their wildest hopes and dreams. And so just to recap a little bit of where we've been and kind of what's happened in some 11 and 12 in this book. Uh, so we know that Joshua leads this mighty group of people, uh, most people think 2.5 million Israelites crossing over the Jordan, and then Joshua leads his people like Sir Sherman in the Civil War to the sea. He divides the land of Canaan essentially in half. This is what he would have looked like in his conquest. He would divide it, the land in half, and then he would have taken some of his army and gone down south, and then he would have gone then up north to conquer the land, to drive out the inhabitants of the land. And at the end of all those battles, Joshua divides the promised land up to his people. Now notice, this isn't like weeks or a year. This is a long time. This happens over a wide swath of time. Joshua is an old man by the time that he divides up the land. And so Joshua begins to build these boundaries, and he gives the 12 tribes of Israel their own land. And this is how you would see the land divided up if you lived in that time period. There are 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes that we see in Scripture, and they would have been divided up much like this. You've got the tribe of, of Reuben and Simeon and Judah and Eschar and, and Zebulun and Dan and Nephtali and Gad, Asher. Joshua is, is kind of two people mixed together, two tribes, uh, Ephraim, and then the tribe of Manasseh is also with the Joshua. And then you've got Benjamin. 
and not mentioned in here, but I think is super important, is the tribe of Levi. And there's some significance in what their inheritance is uh, for us uh, going forward. And so this is God's inheritance for his people. After years of wondering, after years of being oppressed, God fulfills his promise. And this isn't just biblical, like this is historical. This actually happened. And for us today, the book of Joshua is going to serve in a way to remind us that we have a God that has promised an inheritance for you and I. It wasn't just for the Israelites. Certainly it was in this time, but we have an inheritance for ourselves. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about the source of the inheritance, both then and now, the substance of that inheritance, and then the significance of that inheritance. And we're going to do that by first starting (coughs) in the New Testament and looking at what Paul writes in the first chapter of Ephesians. So you can read this along with me. It says, In him, Christ, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. And so in Christ, because of him, we can have hope that those of us who have believed because we have heard the word, faith comes from hearing the word of God and believing that word coming from God. And upon our belief, we're giving the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us as aims to keep us in Christ. And if we have the Holy Spirit, we have God's inheritance. And so just a few general thoughts about inheritance, both in the kingdom of God and on this earth that I think are important for us to understand. Look, an inheritance is not earned, right? It's not earned. An inheritance it cannot be bought. An inheritance is gifted. I don't care how good a son or daughter you are, how much you love auntie, you don't decide if you get an inheritance. The person that owns it gifts it. They make the decision. We can't earn it. We don't buy it. It is gifted to you and I. We can't take any credit for our inheritance in Christ. And even in this, understand, faith itself is a gift from God. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.8, he says that faith is a gift from God. You can't take credit for it. You didn't do the action. You were so overwhelmed by God's love and grace for you that you were moved by Him to faith. And so inheritance is not ours to decide. It's been given to us. There is a significant source to your inheritance that you have to understand. Because if you get the source wrong, you get the whole thing wrong. If you have an auntie that you have a great relationship with and has lots of money and you've just built a relationship and she passes away and you think, oh, I'm going to get some of that, but you learn in that moment that it's the uncle that holds the keys to the account and you have a bad relationship with him, you have poured yourself into the wrong source and you have no inheritance. And so it's important that we get the source right. And this is what Joshua 21 writes about their inheritance, and it's true of our inheritance. 
It says, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. This serves as a reminder that everything God promised our people came to be. And the same is going to be true for you. God is faithful to his promises. Uh, Ephesians 1 serves to remind us of our inheritance. That God has given to you something that will not be given to you by your efforts, by your works, but by the overpouring of God's love and his grace for you. And our hearts should be growing with gratitude for what our Father has given to us despite our own selves. That by His good name and His glory, He gives us something that we don't deserve, an inheritance that's better than anything that we could imagine, not because of our efforts. And so it's important that you always get the right source for our inheritance. And so let's understand the substance of what that inheritance is. It's under, understand what it means that, that you have a physical inheritance just like the Israelites did. In Joshua 18, this is kind of how Joshua gets the boundaries for these lands that he divides up. He provides three men from each tribe, and they will send them out that they may set out and go up and down the land. They shall write a description of what a view to their inheritance of, of it with a view of their inheritance, and then come to me. So what Josh, he's sending surveyors, three surveyors out from each tribe to go into this land and mark the boundaries of their property. I, that's crazy to me. Do, do I, I feel like one tribe probably came back and it had circled the whole thing, right? So how do you, like, what, what, there has to be some boundary disputes, but th there isn't in this. And so he determines the boundaries of the land. This is how they go and do it. It's a physical inheritance. And so what I want you to understand is that you and I, just like the Israelites, we have a physical inheritance in front of us as well that has dimensions and it has geography to it. The word promises that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know, somewhere along the way, maybe you were fooled like I was at one point to think uh, from my watching of cartoons like Tom and Jerry that heaven was this ethereal place in the clouds where I was going to play a harp and float like a ghost. That's not what heaven is. That's not what our scripture speaks about heaven, that there will be a new earth that we will inherit as God's holy people where there is no sin and no brokenness, that death will cease to exist. There will be no death. We will get new bodies that will not have disease or sin in them. We will find fulfilling work that is delightful and it is good. We won't have to worry about work. We won't grind or be, be put off by work, but it'll be satisfying work. And government will be known to be a government that rules by perfect love for one another. It will be a glorious place. 
And, and sometime we'll get into the, the intricacies of heaven in a deeper level, but know that you have a physical land in which you will go to that you are inheriting by God's grace, by his name. We have a physical place, but we also have a supernatural, spiritual inheritance as well. Joshua speaks about it to the Levites. They're an important group of people for us to understand. And so Joshua 13, he writes this, But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance. Just as he said to them, Levi's, the Levites, they got no land. How would you feel like in that conversation, hey, the tribe of Judah, hey, oh man, we got a big swath. Huge, what you get? I got nothing. Oh, you got nothing? No, I just got God. Like, uh, they got God. That was their inheritance. They literally get the physical presence of God in their lives. The Levites would go and be dispersed in the cities to serve in the temples. That's where they would live. And they would remind God's people of who he was and their faithfulness and his commands and his goodness to them. They literally are like worship leaders in the temple. Their inheritance is that they get to be with God. They get him as their inheritance. And so when we read Ephesians 1, I want you to know that twice in that verse it said that our inheritance is to the glory of God. And what that means is that God himself is better than any physical reality and inheritance that we could get. That Jesus is the better reward. That he, by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we get the physical presence of God in our life, and that is better than anything that we could have. We have that now through Christ. We have a promised inheritance that means forgiveness of our sins, adoptions of sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. We have sanctifying grace. We have a, the Holy Spirit of God living around us and in us, moving us towards a more a perfected image of God in us. We have a beautiful supernatural, experience, a spirit, uh, uh, supernatural inheritance with us as well. And here's the hard thing about that, is sometimes we don't feel it. I don't feel that I've been given this great inheritance that means fullness and abundance of life. Well, that doesn't mean it's not true. Like we speak about emotions a lot here. My wife says, hey, you're a guy. Be careful about emotions because you don't have a lot of them, okay? And so I'm going to be careful in this area. I'm not saying that emotions aren't good. They are the fire alarms to your soul. That means you're believing something wrong, and you should understand them. We ask all the time, how are you feeling? I'm fine. But that's, that's fake. If I'm a Christian and I'm honest with you, sometimes I feel like that guy on the video. Sometimes I feel beat up. The better for reality for me is not what I feel, but what I know. I know Christ is risen. I know Christ in me. I know his grace. I know that he does not condemn me or forsake me. I know that he has promised me abundance and life through him. I, he's promised me that joy is not based upon my circumstances, but on my Savior. We have to always speak what we know into what we feel. You have an inheritance that is yours through Christ. I love King David in, in one of his psalms. He talks to himself. He says, why are you oh, so downcast, my soul? Like, put your hope in God. Let what you know and what you have inform your realities. Don't just live in your emotions and be washed away. You have an inheritance that's given you more. Know it. 
and believe it. It's significant in your life. Let our knowledge inform our present. And then lastly, I want to speak about the significance of our inheritance because it matters here as much as it does someday in eternity. In the 20th chapter in Joshua, uh, Joshua writes about some cities that he's setting up here in the promised land, and this is what it's written. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. Now the point of these cities that Joshua is setting up here is that if somebody accidentally killed somebody, that they could flee to these cities, and in those cities that they could find refuge, that they could find a, a future. Now, uh, what I want you to remember that the law of the land at this time is really an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and so whatever you do to somebody, it would be just in the, the eyes of the world that you would then be liable for that same sort of action to be done to you, regardless of whether or not it was an accident or not. And God, who is just and right and holy, knows that that's just not justice. And so that's why these cities are set up. And so if you are building a house and you go up a ladder and you're carrying a stone and your neighbor's there helping you and you accidentally drop the stone and it kills him, strikes him dead, you could flee to one of these cities and, and share your case with the elders and the rulers of the city, and if they believed you, you would be let into their walls and you could find refuge within those walls. Joshua is setting these things up for a good design. The design for the refuge cities of God is to make a more just society in the promised land. This is part of the inheritance. The promised land was supposed to be a unique place of mercy and justice where life would be truly valued, that life meant something always and couldn't be just easily taken away. And so listen, such is true for you and I today in Christ. Know this, that you have been given an inheritance, not that you could sit on it or for your assurance to do nothing but rather that you would be compelled towards valuing life and people in new, meaningful, godly ways. ways. To be a refuge in this world for those who are weary by the weight of the world, who are distressed and beaten up by the world. Your inheritance isn't just for your security. It has been given to you for the benefit of the world around you as you share it with them. Our inheritance empowers us to care for the oppressed, the brokenhearted. It allows us to become last. It allows us to become meek. Because listen, what else could this world offer to me that I already don't have met in my Savior ten times better? This world has nothing for me that I don't already have richly in Christ. And so I can, because of my inheritance, value life, born and unborn in significant ways that I get to serve as an outpost of refuge for a decaying and dying world because I don't need anything from it. That is the significance of your inheritance. 
It's not for you to put in your pocket or your bank account and just hang on to until the end of the world, but it's there to empower you to live godly lives in a place that's hard. It is hard to live godly lives in this world, but he empowers us through his grand promises. And so know that your significance in your inheritance isn't physical. It's not just eternal, but it lies with the knowledge and the good fortune that through Christ we get to be all that we need. We get all that we need here to be all that he needs here. That we could be refuge for those who are weary and broken in this world. And so I just... Reading Joshua 11 through 21 might be mundane, but I hope that it would serve to you in reading it as a source of reminder of the goodness of our God and an inheritance that he has not just set up for the people in Joshua, but an inheritance that he has given to you by his son, and that you would always, with good cause, remember in your life that the source of that inheritance is not you, that only God gives us by his good grace and mercy an inheritance that is not our own. Don't get distracted by the wrong source. And that you would understand the substance, like there is something that's better than $10,500,000 in our substance inheritance in Christ. Both a supernatural spiritual inheritance that we have now, that he's going to pardon our sins and sanctify us. But we also have physical realities of a beautiful land without sin and disease, pain, death will be no more, governed by perfect love, physical buildings, gold streets, that there is a place for us someday that will put this world to shame. And because of that, that it would motivate us in significance that we could be to this world a refuge for those who are decaying, those who are broken and weary. Joshua is an amazing book in so many different ways, and I am thankful for God's word and how it pushes on us. Would you pray with me? Father, we just come before you today, and we thank you that we, without our own effort, without our own cause, that because of your grace and mercy for us, that you have given us an inheritance that we simply don't deserve but you pour out to us in faith. And so, Lord, will you let us know in our brains to inform our hearts sometimes that you're better than life itself, that you're better than $10.5 million, that you're better than anything this world could ever offer us, that you are the source of our inheritance and that we have a substantive inheritance, Lord, that is better. And, God, that you would use that inheritance to empower us to live significant lives where we could be places of refuge for those who are weary and lost in this world, that because we have all that we need met in you fully, that we could give to your dying world hope because of you. And so, Father, we lift up this prayer to you today. Move our hearts where you need it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.